Welcome to God's Playbook, the podcast that knocks the hard-hitting religious questions out of the park or catching the Holy Spirit right at the end zone. Train your soul and be God's MVP with your host, Father Rico Passero. It's a 20, 10, 5, touchdown! Touchdown! This is God's Playbook. Let's play ball. And the Holy Spirit came upon them giving them the gifts and fruits of the Spirit. Welcome back to God's Playbook, friends. Today, I am going to lead us through the Sacrament of Confirmation, in which we talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit that has touched our lives as individuals. The Sacrament of Confirmation, friends, is the third sacrament of initiation, which allows us to become full members of the Catholic Church. Confirmation stems from the first celebration of the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost upon Mary and the apostles who found themselves in the upper room. We hear in Acts chapter 2 verses 1 to 4. When the time for Pentecost had come, they were all in one place together. And suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire, which parted and came to rest on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in different tongues, as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Jesus promised that when he ascended to the Father, he would send us his advocate, and allow the apostles to bring them the courage and the strength they needed to proclaim the gospel message to others. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We know that Jesus, as always, keeps his promises. And when they received the Holy Spirit, the apostles immediately went out to preach the good news. And so this is to take place for us too, friends. When we receive the sacrament of confirmation, The Holy Spirit comes upon us in the exact same powerful way, giving us the same gifts and fruits of the Spirit that he blessed the first friends of Jesus, our Blessed Mother and the Apostles. Through confirmation, the Holy Spirit empowers us as witnesses of God. We receive the Holy Spirit through the laying on of hands and the special anointing that takes place as the sacrament is conferred upon us. The seven gifts of the Holy Spirit help us to give us practical tools to use each day as we live as Christ's disciples. So let's talk about the word confirmation. The word confirmation means strengthening. The Catechism says that the sacrament of confirmation both confirms baptism and strengthens baptismal grace. Believers have the Holy Spirit, the breath of God, from baptism. But the spirit of confirmation is the breath behind speech, giving us the power to raise our voices in witness of the gospel. Think of witnesses. A witness is someone who testifies to what they know from their own personal experience. In a courtroom, The strongest witness is someone who is called an eyewitness. 
They have seen with their own eyes. They've heard, they've experienced something that has taken place. And so they pledge this expression of their experience in a courtroom to suggest that this happened or this did not happen. To be a Christian witness, we are called to believe the testimony to what we know. Jesus Christ, who is crucified and risen for our salvation, is the life and hope for all the world. Christians can witness in a variety of ways, from simple everyday ways, such as enthusiastic words or concern for others, to perhaps more dramatic ways, such as the martyrs who died for their faith. Each of us are called to be a witness. And in many cases, we might suggest that we're not called to be eyewitnesses, for that took place for the apostles, those who lived at the time of Jesus. And yet through confirmation, friends, we become true witnesses of faith because this faith has been passed from those eyewitness accounts down through the generations, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we know that what we believe as church is indeed true. The Catechism tells us by the sacrament of confirmation, the one who is baptized becomes more perfectly bound to the church and they are enriched with the special strength of the Holy Spirit. They become true witnesses of Christ, more strictly obliged to spread and defend the faith by word and deed. Jesus says to the disciples and each of us in Matthew chapter 10, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say. You will be given at that moment what you are to say, for it will not be you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Friends, have there been times in which God has used you as an instrument of his grace? Have you ever found a time in which somebody has approached you for help, seeking your advice, your wisdom? And at first you think, well, I don't really know what to say to this person. I'm not qualified. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a priest. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not this. I'm not that. Well, we recognize in Jesus calling people like Simon, a fisherman, Matthew, a tax collector, or the other disciples, that they too didn't have a PhD in theology. They had not formally studied the scriptures. They weren't taking notes as Jesus was healing the sick, curing those who were lepers, etc. It is the Holy Spirit working through them. It's the Holy Spirit working through us, friends that we can bring the message and hope of Jesus, the promise of God to our brothers and sisters. And so this great sacrament indeed helps us in our day-to-day -day life. The catechism also points out that confirmation imprints a spiritual mark or what is called an indelible character on the Christian's soul, which means this can never be taken away. For this reason, one can receive this sacrament only once in one's life. Like baptism, confirmation happens in one singular event. And it is once again necessary for the completion of baptismal grace. So how is the sacrament celebrated? Confirmation usually takes place during the Mass itself. 
If one is to be confirmed as a young person, depending on what part of the world you live, oftentimes confirmation takes place within an age bracket. Here locally in my diocese, confirmation is given in grade 8 or when the young person is 13 years old. In some other dioceses in other parts of the world, after the age of 7, confirmation is generally given because the age of seven is seen as the age of reason, where a young person truly understands for themselves the difference between right and wrong, and can begin to open themselves up to the teachings of the church. In some dioceses, this takes place in high school, or perhaps a little bit later in life. But nonetheless, it is a very powerful and important sacrament that fulfills our baptism and our initiation into the church. The regular administer of the sacrament is the bishop. The bishop is a successor of the apostles. It is the role of the bishop, who like the apostles first received the Holy Spirit, to be an instrument of God's grace upon the one who is to be confirmed. There are some cases, however, when the bishop can delegate or allow a local parish priest to confirm. In cases of emergency, if someone has not been confirmed and might be in a hospital bed, a priest may receive the blessing of the bishop who cannot be there to confirm the local parishioner. For those adults who go through the RCIA process, they are confirmed at the Easter Vigil Mass on Holy Saturday. And because the bishop cannot be in every parish in the diocese, the bishop delegates the privilege of administering the sacrament of confirmation to the local pastor. The sacrament of confirmation is given to the candidate through the laying of hands and the anointing First, the laying of hands. If confirmation takes place for just one individual, the bishop will place the hands on top of the head of the person who is to be confirmed. Sometimes when it's larger groups of people, the bishop may extend his hands in blessing over all of the candidates. And special prayers are said, asking God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to come upon the person who is to be confirmed so that they may be fully made a temple of the Holy Spirit. The second form is called the anointing. This anointing takes place as the bishop dips his thumb into sacred chrism. Chrism, which takes its name from the root word Christ, meaning the anointed one. We too are anointed. We become Christ-like. And so the bishop makes the sign of the cross using chrism on the one who is to be confirmed on their forehead and says the beautiful words, be sealed with the gift of the Holy Spirit. The candidate then says, Amen. The bishop says, peace be with you. And the candidate says, and with your spirit. Now, oftentimes, a saint's name is taken at confirmation. This allows the candidate to be confirmed to have a role model of a saint who lived a life of holiness that though not perfect, they like we were sinners, 
but they made a lifestyle choice to follow God in a particular way and now enjoy the beauty of eternal life as a saint of God in heaven. This role model is to inspire us that we are called to be saints too. Who did you choose, friends, on your confirmation day? I chose St. Joseph. St. Joseph, the patron saint of Canada and the Universal Church, I chose him for the reason that I thought one day I might be called to be a good father. He's the patron saint of fathers. Patron saint means a saint that has been chosen for a particular group of people, which we call a patron. So when we want to be a good father, those of you who are fathers out there, ask St. Joseph to pray for you, to help you to be a better witness for your children. I chose St. Joseph thinking that one day I would be a husband and a father. Little did I know that God would call me to the priesthood. And so indeed I am father. You call me Father Rico. And just as a spiritual father should be caring for his children, so St. Joseph also intercedes for me. So choosing a saint name is so vitally important. Also the one who is to be confirmed chooses a confirmation sponsor or godparent. So with a saint in heaven as a role model, the candidate for confirmation also chooses a godparent or sponsor to walk with them here on earth, to help them to continue their journey of faith with God, whether they are young or young at heart. The role of the confirmation godparent or sponsor is indeed to pray for the one who is to be confirmed and to guide them to deepen their faith and their relationship with God. The sponsor places their right hand on the candidate's shoulder, signifying that they are walking with them and that they are not alone. And they present the candidate on behalf of the entire Christian community. The power of the Holy Spirit is given through the laying of hands and praying for the gift of the Spirit. The laying of hands is a biblical gesture that goes back to Jewish origins. The significance of human touch is so important. Just as Jesus brought healing to many in the Gospels, we recognize that through human touch, we encounter God in a very powerful way. The anointing also has great biblical connections. The Catechism reminds us, anointing in biblical and other ancient symbolism is rich in meaning. Oil is a sign of abundance and joy. It cleanses and limbers. Oil is a sign of healing, since it is both soothing to bruises and wounds, and it makes radiant with beauty, health, and strength. The people of Israel anointed priests and kings as a sign that they were chosen by God. Like priests and kings, you have been chosen by God, my brother or sister in Christ. And like them, you have been anointed and chosen for a particular purpose. The anointing signifies and imprints a spiritual seal. It marks our total belonging to Jesus and our enrollment in his service forever. Those who are confirmed share more completely the mission of Jesus and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, so that their lives will give off the aroma of Christ as a beautiful scent of the balsam reminds us. I love the smell of chrism. I often invite people to smell the oil 
to breathe in that beautiful fragrance of God, of holiness and peace. Let's talk briefly now about the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that we receive. Isaiah chapter 11 said, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, a spirit of wisdom and of understanding, a spirit of counsel and of strength, a spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and his delight shall be the fear of the Lord. And so the word Messiah, Christos in Greek, means anointed. And so when we're anointed in baptism and confirmation, we put on Christ. And so the qualities of the Messiah also become our qualities as well. So the first gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of wisdom. Wisdom moves our vision into the future, giving us perspective and enables us to see things with God's eyes. The gift of wisdom helps us to see our joys and sufferings in the light of God's loving plan for us. How much more can we grow in wisdom to think as God does, to see the world and others through God's eyes? Wisdom helps us to understand the need to love, to forgive, and to let go. Lord, help us to grow in the gift of wisdom. How many times in your own vocational call, friends, have you used the gift of wisdom to allow you to make decisions that are godlike and holy? The second gift is understanding. The world would be easier to understand if it came with an instruction booklet. Just like when we need to learn how to play a sport, the playbook is so important. The plays are not just created on the spot. Rather, a winning formula must first be developed. And so it is with life. We don't have an instruction booklet of how to do everything. Rather, it's through lived experience that we come to understand the world and how it works, to come to understand who we are. And so God's gift of Easter life does come with instructions, primarily found to us in sacred scriptures. And so prayerful reading of the Bible can help us to understand God's plan. And the gift of understanding helps us to also do that, to understand why we do what we do, why we believe what we do, and why we should do as Jesus has commanded us. How many times have we used the gift of understanding in our daily life? How can we be more compassionate to one another? To come to appreciate somebody where they find themselves, even if it's in a place that we don't find as desirable. It's an opportunity for us, friends, to be compassionate as God is with us. Another gift of the Holy Spirit is right judgment or counsel. This is a gift that helps us to make good choices, choices that are pleasing to God, what I might suggest as God choices. The gift of right judgment helps us to seek God's counsel and his advice. Right judgments are made in the light of God's great final judgment. How often are we called to make right judgments in our life? to conform our daily decisions to God's will. Lord, help me to know what to do in this situation. Lord, help me to move from my emotional status to one that is more rational and well thought out. 
Lord, help us to grow in right judgment and counsel. The gift of courage or fortitude is also so important in daily life. Courage enables us to face danger and overcome fear with confidence. Before performing a cure, Jesus often told his followers to take courage, to take heart, to become confident. The gift of courage enables us to see where our strength lies firmly in God. How many times are we called to be courageous? Courageous in faith, courageous in love. How many times are we called by God to stand up for those who are most vulnerable, who have no voice, those who are being bullied or picked on in many ways, those on the periphery of our society? Sometimes it takes true courage to stand up for individuals. And yet the more we show our love for God and others, the more we use the gift of courage or fortitude to do just that. Another gift of the Holy Spirit is the gift of knowledge. This gift helps us to come to know Jesus and to discern what things are important and which ones aren't. A good way to tell if we're truly using the gift of knowledge is to examine whether the things we know lead us to charity in our actions. The more I come to know God, the more I model a life that is pleasing to him. The more I come to know the difference between right and wrong, I'm to choose good instead of evil. Oftentimes, what is easier is sometimes not what is best. The easy path is not always the holy one. And so knowledge of that helps us to make decisions in our life that are always pleasing to God. Lord, help us to grow in the gift of knowledge. The next gift of the Holy Spirit is reverence or piety. Placing us at the foot of the cross, this gift helps us to see our relationship with God. It enables us to act in the light of the reality that we have been saved by Jesus himself, by his dying on the cross and his rising from the dead, the beautiful paschal mystery. We are saved and redeemed by our gracious God. And so we should show our gratitude by our piety and devotion to him. How do we use the gift of reverence or piety? Well, in respect for God's name, ensuring that we go to church every week, that we spend time in prayer reverencing God for who he is, that we respect the presence of God in one another, that we show reverence from the human person, from conception until natural death. How important it is for us, friends, to truly show reverence for God and for one another. And then also a reverence for self as well, that we are called to be God's children and as such, as a temple of the Holy Spirit. I also give honor and praise to God by the way I treat my body, proper care, diet, exercise. Like athletes are called to discipline in their life, we too are called to discipline as well. And finally, the last gift of the Holy Spirit is wonder and awe in God's presence, or what we call fear of the Lord. This gift takes time and leisure to wonder and to be amazed to see God's beauty around us, to recognize the importance of God who is so much greater in majesty and power than we are. Fear of the Lord does not mean to be afraid of God. 
It is not speaking about this idea of hesitating around God. It's acknowledging that before him, I am merely a child. I am not God. God is infinitely more knowledgeable, powerful, majestic. In so many ways, he is to be glorified. And so we recall the feeling of looking at something with amazement in nature and saying, wow, this is a gift of God in action. Think of the sun. Think of a mountain or an ocean. And yet these are merely elements of God's creation. The Milky Way, the planets, heaven, earth, so many things that God has made. And so as we show wonder and awe in the presence of God, it keeps us humble, it keeps us grounded, and it reminds us of our place in God's family. Lord, help us to come to know your awesome presence and to express this wonder and awe from the bottom of our hearts. Friends, the fruits of the Holy Spirit also help us to grow in our relationship with him. These fruits speak about peace, perseverance, joy, love. These are all fruits of the Spirit that help us to grow in holiness. And so I invite each of us to reflect on the day of our confirmation. If it has been years ago, I once again encourage you to take out the photographs, look at those videos, remind yourself in which God blessed you in the same way he blessed the apostles at Pentecost. Just as they were invited outside of their upper room to experience the love of God, so too are we. We are called to experience the love of God as well. And to use these gifts and fruits of the Spirit, not merely as things to keep on a spiritual shelf or stored in a closet somewhere, but rather that these gifts are to be unpacked, developed, learned how to use in our daily life. If you have not yet been confirmed, what a beautiful opportunity to approach your local parish priests and to seek the sacrament of the Holy Spirit and become a full member of God's family. If you know of someone who has not yet been confirmed, what a great opportunity to evangelize to them about the power of the Holy Spirit that helps us to make daily decisions that are pleasing to God. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit so that we may be recreated. Renew the face of the earth. For God's Playbook, I'm Father Rico. God loves you and so do I. If you like what you hear, please consider supporting us on our Ko-Fi, K-O-F-I, or GoFundMe at God's Playbook Podcast. Thanks. And God bless.